How Christians Should Respond to the Depravity Revolution. Today is part two of that topic, right here on the Christian Realview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host. The Christian Realview is a nonprofit, listener supported radio ministry. We are able to broadcast on the radio station, website, or app on which you are listening today because of the support of listeners like you. So thank you for your prayer, your encouragement, and support. I also want to thank the staff of the Christian Realview who do such an excellent job helping this radio ministry. Rosie is our listener liaison, she's the one you will typically talk to when you call the Christian Worldview. Alicia does our resource fulfillment. She's the one who mails you products and resources that you order. Brody, my wonderful wife, is the administrator of the Christian Worldview. Rich does audio production and social media for us. And Ben does final production of the program every week. And so I'm very grateful to God for all of them in the ways they contribute to this radio ministry, and to our volunteers as well who help throughout the year, and also our ministry board who provides excellent leadership in the pursuit of our mission to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. All right, now to our topic of the day. What emerged as the sexual revolution of the mid-1960s in America, the mainstreaming of heterosexual sex and cohabitation outside marriage, unbiblical divorce leading to adulterous remarriage, and pornography has, this century, descended even further into a depravity revolution. The Apostle Paul in Romans 1 describes the judgment of God, quote, giving over those who, quote, suppress the truth in unrighteousness in three successive stages of decline, from, quote, impure heterosexual immorality, that's in verses 24 and 25, to, quote, the degrading passions of unnatural homosexuality, in verses 26 and 27, to finally a, quote, depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, listed out in verses 28 through 32. What is, quote, not proper is for men scantily dressed as women to sexually dance in front of young children or for government elementary school teachers to approvingly teach students about homosexuality and transgenderism without their parents' knowledge in many cases, or for doctors and hospitals to perform irreversible and harmful surgeries on the sexual organs of children. That those at the highest levels of governing authority consider this, quote, gender-affirming care further explains the wickedness that all Democrats, just as past week in the U.S. House, except for one, voted against the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, which will require that babies who survive an abortion receive life-saving medical treatment. In other words, the Democrats voted to let babies who survive abortions die without help. Now just pause and mourn the freefall into heartless murder and depravity to which our people have descended. So this weekend in part two, Andrew D. Bartolo of Liberty Coalition Canada again joins us to discuss how Christians should respond to this depravity revolution because it has not only infected every corner of society, 
but has broken into the church as well. Before we get to the interview, just a brief review of a key point from last week in case you didn't hear the program. Andrew talked about a spiritual war taking place of Satan against God. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Satan is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so Satan's objective in this depravity revolution is to lead people away from God to their eternal destruction, to get them enslaved to sin, and also to pervert God's design for one man, one woman marriage, which is a picture of Christ and his church. Husbands, in Ephesians chapter 5, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless." There's a corollary between marriage, between husband and wife, and the way Christ loved the church. So when you pervert biblical marriage, that marriage perversion inexorably leads to the perversion of children within that home. So this depravity revolution is an attack at the very core institution that is the bedrock for a stable society and also a picture of Christ and his church. Now, toward the depraving of the country, relentless lies are told every day, everywhere, even from the very top of those who lead us. Listen to President Biden last year. To everyone celebrating Transgender Day of Visibility, I want you to know that your president sees you. Jill, Kamala, Doug, our entire administration sees you for who you are made in the image of God and deserving of dignity, respect, and support. But we know it's hard when there are those out there who don't see you and don't respect you. This administration is standing up for you against all these hateful bills. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom, on the playing field, at work, in our military, in our housing and healthcare systems, everywhere, simply everywhere. But there's always more work to do. To parents of transgender children, Affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy. To any transgender American who's struggling, please know that you're not alone. And know this, you're so brave, you belong, and we have your back. God bless you all. Be brave. I really wish he'd leave the name of God out of it. And what a liar. God will not bless anyone who is living their life in disobedience to him. Notice what he said. We're committed to advancing transgender equality everywhere. And he listed all those various institutions. They they are absolutely doing that. But what a lie. Quote, affirming your child's identity, whatever identity they choose, is the most powerful thing you can do. Just translate that to affirm them in rejecting God's design of them as being male or female. That is truly wicked to point someone in a direction away from being in right relationship with God. But what is legal and what is promoted by authorities, that becomes the morality of a country. 
And just to be clear, the goal of this program is not to curse the sin or judge the sinner. That's God's role for those who ultimately reject his offer of reconciliation. Our goal is to make Christians aware in the church of what is taking place so you can protect and prepare yourself and your family, your children specifically, and so you can respond to those who are deceived, maybe family members who are involved in this sin with the good news, the only news, that sinners can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Andrew Bartolo is the Director of Operations for Liberty Coalition Canada. He's also the teaching elder at Encounter Church in Kingston, Ontario. Andrew, when you go online and you read some of these debates going back and forth on Twitter or elsewhere, Facebook, someone will say something with regard to upholding a biblical version of morality and gender and sexuality and so forth. There are about four or five things that were are commonly said back to shut down the conversation. And I'm going to list them here, and then I'd like you to pick what you think are the one or two most important to respond to and tell us how you think Christians should respond to these retorts when they're pushed back against for upholding biblical sexual morality. Well, you hear all this. Well, Christians and churches... They don't say anything about adultery or fornication, premarital sex. They don't say much about pornography or especially unbiblical divorce and remarriage going on in their churches. So why are they so concerned about homosexuality and transgenderism? You'll hear that one. Number two, you'll hear, this is nothing new. What are you getting so excited about? And this is not grooming. I mean, just think back in the day, there were the high school boys on the football team who played what's called powder puff football, where the boys dressed up as girls and so forth, and the cheerleaders dressed as football players. So what are you so concerned about with all these drag queen shows? It's really just the same thing today. Number three retort you'll hear is, why don't you just stay in your own lane? This doesn't affect your marriage, so what are you so concerned about? I'll give you one more example. Number four. This is about respecting other people and the way they want to live. Love your neighbor, all right? Don't be a hater and a bigot. Jesus wasn't like that. He related to the outcasts, those on the margins of society. So there's just four examples that you hear commonly, Andrew. Pick one or two that you think is important that how you would respond to those. Well, if I might be so bold, I'm going to quickly go through the four of them, because I want people to be as armed as possible. So the first one, churches don't say much about adultery, fornication, porn, on biblical divorce. Yeah, to their shame, and they should. So shame on you if you avoid those things because of difficulty. But that doesn't negate the fact that we still need to address this evil. And I'll say homosexuality, sodomy, transgenderism is different. Because while adultery, fornication, pornography, and unbiblical divorce are sins, they're evil— At the very least, they are still according to nature, which is a man and a woman. There is a natural sense that it's not wrong for a man to desire a woman. It's wrong for how those desires work out. It is unnatural and wrong and sinful for a man to desire a man, for a woman to desire a woman, or for a man or a woman to believe and then perform surgeries and live like there is something that they are not. This is against nature. So this is a direct attack on God's design, the male-female binary, that a man and woman are supposed to come together. They are different, though similar, to complete 
this one flesh sexual union where the two halves of the sexual spectrum come together as one. So this we're dealing with something different. And if I could plug Dr. Robert Gagnon, he is probably the best person in the world, maybe in history, who's dealt specifically with what the Bible teaches about these and why it's such a big deal, sodomy, transgenderism. So check him out. There's nothing new and it's not grooming. You know, these football games where people would mix their dresses, the boys who were dressed as cheerleaders weren't doing dancing and strip teasing, covered in makeup in a way to sexualize children. It complete, it absolutely is grooming. Grooming isn't just trying to win the favor of a child to have sex with a child. Part of grooming is through coercion and through normalization, sexualizing a child to get them ready for sexual activity at a later stage, which is exactly what's happening with Drag Story Hour. It completely is sexualizing children and awakening them to sexual realities much earlier than they should. It doesn't affect your marriage. We know that's not true. Ask the cake bakers and artists who refuse to perform at or do work for or make cakes for sodomite weddings. Tell them that it didn't affect their marriage. That's nonsense. And even if it doesn't quote unquote affect my marriage, what it does do is it destroys children, it destroys cultures, and it brings about a great evil in our world. And Christians need to be about real justice, real compassion, and really working for those who need it. And it's about respecting other people, loving your neighbor right. And loving your neighbor means telling the truth. If my uncle suffers with paranoia, I wouldn't say to him in order to quote unquote love him, you're right, uncle, there is someone watching you all the time. There's someone behind the corner. No, you don't feed the mental illness. You speak and say, that's not true. You're not being followed. And in a similar way, the loving thing to do is to say to the man, you're a man. God's made you a man. Maybe there's some reason why your desires are crooked, but you love them. Jesus wasn't like that. I mean, obviously, someone who says that hasn't read the Gospels. When Jesus is asked about divorce, and he doubles down in Matthew 19 and says, have you not heard that he who made them made them male and female from the beginning? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Therefore, what God has put together, let no man separate. That seems like a rather bigoted, narrow-minded, binary view that Jesus exalts. I'll also say the idea of you know, focused on the red letters and only New Testament. In the Old Testament, the story of the punishment and judgment coming down upon Sodom and Gomorrah, I believe it's Genesis 19, if you read through the text, you will see this curious verse where it says that Yahweh or the Lord, Yahweh on earth, calls down fire from Yahweh out of heaven to rain down upon Sodom and Gomorrah. So who was it that was raining down fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah? This was God the Father. But who was Yahweh on the earth who was calling it down? This was the Son. This was the pre-incarnate Son of God, the eternal Word of God, who in flesh became Jesus. He had no problem calling down fire out of heaven from God the Father to punish Sodom for its detestable sin. That same Christ, that same Son, is the God-man Jesus Christ. So you cannot say that he's gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He had no problem with the punishment of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he has no problem with the doubling down on the binary design of male and female in marriage. Uh, he's not a fuzzy teddy bear. 
He is the eternal word of God, and he's king of kings and lord of lords. He has some strong things to say about marriage and sexuality. Amen. Andrew DiBartolo with us today on the Christian Review. As you were referencing the account of Sodom and Gomorrah, that portion of that story, this true story, uh, where the homosexuals are at the door of Lot's house, and, and Lot's trying to negotiate with him. Here, take my daughters. Here, do anything. Just just get away, and don't attack these two men that have visited me. But they, the Sodomites, said, stand aside. This one, talking to Lot, came in as an alien, and already he is acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than them. And now listen to this. So they, the homosexuals, pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house, and they struck the men who were at the doorway with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the doorway. They even kept on coming after they were blinded. Just a relentless pursuit, and it really mimics what is taking place. There's a relentless promotion and advocacy for this today in our society. And as we head into the break, we are offering In His Image in conjunction with our topic today. It's a 110-minute documentary, two-DVD set that deals truthfully and compassionately with the issue of transgenderism. You can order it for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Our contact information will be given during the break. I'm David Wheaton, and you are listening to The Christian Worldview. What is The Christian Worldview radio program really about? Fundamentally, it's about impacting people, families, churches, with the life and eternity-changing truth of God's Word. We know the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only message that saves us from God's wrath, by God's grace, for God's glory. And we know the Bible is the inspired word of God, providing the only way to think and live to the glory of God. We are a nonprofit listener-supported ministry. If you would like to help us impact listeners with the biblical worldview and the gospel, consider becoming a Christian worldview partner who regularly give a specified amount to the ministry. As a thank you, Christian Worldview partners automatically receive many of the resources featured on the program throughout the year. To become a Christian Worldview partner, call us toll-free 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. Scripture commands that children are to be brought up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Offering biblically sound resources for children is one of our top ministry priorities. At our store at thechristianrealview.org, you will find carefully selected children's Bibles and books, along with video and audio resources. Check out the Bible infographics for kids' books, Little Pilgrim's Progress, and the popular Adam Raccoon set. Theo is a 15-episode video series addressing key doctrines of the faith that is a must-see for children and adults. Satan and the world are bent on capturing the heart and mind of your child. Instead, get sound resources that will train them up in the way they should go. Browse and order at thechristianworldview.org or give us a call for recommendations at 1-888-646-2233. That's 1-888-646-2233 or thechristianworldview.org. Welcome back to The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianworldview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter. 
order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Our topic today is how Christians should respond to the depravity revolution. Andrew D. Bartolo, the Director of Operations for Liberty Coalition Canada and a teaching elder at Encounter Church in Kingston, Ontario, is our guest. Andrew, it's not just culturally the the non-believing world that is rushing headlong in this. I, I look sometimes look at parents who maybe aren't advocates or so-called allies of this. They're just either unaware or unbothered or, or even want their children to be a part of a drag queen show. And you just think, what are you not seeing here? The unbeliever is blind, I guess, to the sinfulness of us, but the church shouldn't be. And this is making major inroads into evangelical churches now, Andrew. It's being welcome, sexual and gender perversion is being welcomed into the church. They're trying to find a, quote, third way, whether the Revoice Conference, which I know you know about, the same-sex attracted movement, that you can be a, quote-unquote, gay Christian as long as you don't act on it. Guys like Preston Sprinkle or the Gospel Coalition, women like Rachel Gilson, Rebecca McLaughlin, Amy Grant, the well-known Christian rock singer, Lauren Daigle, and many others are really accommodating this whole movement within the evangelical church. And it's going to get more, I think. But how are Christians' minds being changed when this issue is so clear, as you've been talking about in Scripture, Andrew? There's two answers. One is not so comfortable, and one is maybe a little bit more of a, we can flesh it out. The first one is this. Apostasy is real. And some of the people that you've mentioned, I believe, are false professors and unregenerate believers. So I would put in that category many, many people in the last five to ten years who have either deconstructed their faith or who've changed their views on sodomy and transgenderism. I don't think that as many of these people as, as say they are are confused believers. I think they are unregenerate false professors who have taken on the veneer of Christianity, and yet when the opportunity to apostatize or when the reality of either life getting difficult or the costliness of obedience presents itself, like Jesus talks about in the parable of the sower, then their true face is out there for all to see. I know a lot of people don't like that answer. I know that that's uncomfortable, but this is something that's been the case for 2,000 years. This is why the Apostle John would write, they left us. They went out from among us because they were never one of us. Even Judas deceived the 12, and they thought everything was okay up until the moment of his suicide. The Apostle Paul was convinced that Demas was a brother until he abandoned him. And then Paul writes in 2 Timothy that Demas has allowed the love of the world to dissuade him, and he's turned from the faith. So people who we think are so solid, so Christian, uh, are not. And apostasy is real. And I would say that it's much more rampant than we think. I would include in that unregenerate clergy. It's probably a much higher percentage than we think, and in churches as well. I can't obviously put a number on any of these things, but we see people, the bad fruit is evidence of the dead tree. So that's the first answer. They're not all Christians who are confused. But what about the Christians who are? What about the Christians who are not able to discern this as clearly. Well, unfortunately, this is what happens when the church, one, disengages entirely from cultural involvement, two, abandons the teaching of God's word in an expository verse-by-verse-in-the-text kind of way, 
and three, when the church decides to sidestep difficult doctrinal societal issues and says, well, that's, you know, that's none of that in the pulpit. Here is the result. The result is believers who do not have a robust biblical foundation for sexuality. They do not have a thoroughly Christian worldview. They don't have a creational cosmology. They're just taking whatever Christian self-help sugar is offered to them. And so they're confused. And when they see evangelical organizations like the Gospel Coalition or the Revoice Conference with people who appear to be knowledgeable, godly people pushing these agendas, these people who are otherwise immature and juvenile in their faith have no choice but to really believe them. They haven't been taught to think for themselves, to rightly divide the word of truth. So it's bad teaching. And it's probably, again, if it's unregenerate clergy that are not that are driving it, they're not going to be fed well. I do grieve for those believers, even the last couple of years, believers who were forbidden from going to church, who didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to respond. I mean, they couldn't even see, you know, you need to leave your church. If they're going to shut the doors for nine months, they're not a church. Get out, leave. They couldn't even make that decision. It's unfortunate that you do have believers who, again, are they're still on milk and they have not been discipled well. And then you have parents who are so, whether they're uninvolved in a meaningful way in their children's lives or they don't actually see what's going on. You know, I've been to a couple drag story hour protests in Canada. I've been involved in a number of rallies and events. And when you chat with parents and help them understand what's actually going on, like what's really happening, a lot of these parents are actually quite shocked. They think, well, I I thought they were just in there reading a story and Hmm. When you actually unpack, no, this is what's going on here. Parents are like, whoa, this is really, this is, this is what's happening in the broader world. A lot of them, they just, they really don't know because, and part of it's their fault because they haven't been involved and engaged the way they should have. And their pastors who probably shouldn't be pastors aren't helping their people navigate cultural societal issues as well. They're just saying, here's five steps to a better prayer life. Here's seven steps to a happy marriage. They're just giving them cake on Sunday. These parents are unequipped and ill-equipped. It's tough to know the hearts of individuals, but it's a lot of the church has not been doing its job, and it's a lot of apostasy, a lot of apostasy that is much more rampant than we think, and heaven will look much different than we think it will in terms of who is it that will be there because of love for the risen Christ and union with him in faith, and those who just profess faith for a season, I think a lot of people will be in for quite a surprise. Yeah, I agree with you. And ultimately, Christians are here to honor and glorify God. That's our purpose of living. And we want to stand against whatever doesn't honor him. And then secondly, this is about people's souls. People are being led down the broad road that leads to destruction, and Christians should be very convicted about that and be doing everything we can to be telling people the truth with grace and about the gospel so that they don't go down that broad road to destruction. That's what we appreciate about what you've been doing today, Andrew. So just in conclusion, I'd like you to tell us more about Biblical Sexuality Sunday. You have it slated for Sunday, January 15th. What is it? Why is it necessary? And what do you encourage pastors to maybe just for one week get away from what they had previously planned uh, to preach on biblical sexuality? So for anyone who's not aware, about this time last year, Bill C-4 came into law in Canada, and Bill C-4 
which was supported by everyone in parliament at 100% approval, including from the Conservative Party, which is the party formerly known as the Conservative Party here. And Bill C-4 was the outlawing of quote-unquote conversion therapy. And they erected a straw man of conversion therapy, which is electroshock therapy and denial therapy, which no one practices that anymore. But when you read through the fine print, Bill C-4 had two problematic sections. One was it says that the belief that male-female norm for marriage and sexuality or that your quote-unquote assigned gender at birth is your actual gender, these in Canadian law are now called myths and stereotypes. That's the first thing. So in Canada, our country legally believes that the Christian belief regarding marriage and sexuality is a myth and a stereotype. The second portion of the law stated that anyone who willingly participates in conversion therapy, and as they define it, it's as simple as this. If someone comes into my office, if a 35-year-old guy comes into my office and says, Andrew, I've been having these really weird feelings all of a sudden and these weird desires that have come out of nowhere. I'm very confused. I know what God says. I know what the Word says. I don't want this. And I pray for him and counsel him and walk him through the scriptures and help him to embrace his maleness as God has given him. If someone were to report that to the authorities, I could face up to five years in prison and $500,000 fine. So that's law in Canada as of this time last year. So what we decided last year was the Sunday after this came into law, we would encourage pastors across Canada and we had a number of American brothers join as well. Preach on biblical sexuality in outright defiance of this law, breaking the law as a way to tell the state, one, you have no authority to dictate creational norms. You have no authority to tell the church how it can or cannot preach or counsel. And two, in the hopes that this united effort would bring about the overturning of this evil and lawless piece of legislation. So we did that last year, but baked into our initiative was the desire to do it every year on the anniversary. So every year on the anniversary of Bill C-4 becoming law, which is depending on how it falls, the second or the third Sunday in January, we encourage men again to preach on biblical sexuality. They can go wherever they want with the text. I'm going to be in Matthew 19, looking back at Genesis 2 and 3. Many men were in 1 Corinthians 6. A lot of men were in Leviticus 18 and 19, some men were in Deuteronomy about the prohibitions against cross-dressing, whatever people want to do, it's up to them, but men preaching on a biblical sexual ethic and God's design for marriage, and we want to encourage pastors to do that. In Canada, out of defiance and out of telling the state, this is not your job, you are out of your lane, and in the hopes that the law would be overturned, and we encourage our brothers in other parts of the world as well, in the United States, to join in solidarity with us to bring awareness We actually have pastors in Germany, France, and the UK who are joining us as well this year. So we've now gone on the other side of the pond as well. So we are intercontinental now, which is kind of neat. If anyone's interested, if you go to libertycoalitioncanada.com, you click on our initiatives tab. It takes you to Biblical Sexuality Sunday. Everything's there that you need to know. We want to encourage everyone to join in this. Everyone, every pastor, every church all over the world to join in this. There's also a, uh, a story I'll tell briefly. Last year, a pastor in BC preached on biblical sexuality on the Sunday, and two weeks after, a woman came up to him and weeping said, we have our daughter back. 
And the pastor would go on to say that when he preached the sermon, the daughter of this family who was in the church who had been transitioning for five years, she had top surgery, she had been taking the hormone replacements for five years, heard the sermon, completely broken and convicted, turned 180 to Christ, repented of her sin, said, I'm a woman, my name is Sarah, I'm not Dean anymore, and became very outspoken against Mm. this very evil agenda and the financial gain behind it. It's, It's for money that doctors push. There's a lot of funding that hospitals get for pushing this. And so we got to interview her and we aired that interview on our podcast. I shared that interview with pastors all over the world to say to them, who knows if in your church there is a man or a woman who is struggling in the same way for one year, five years, 10 years, and who knows if the Lord won't use your bold biblical proclamation of God's good design for marriage to radically transform someone's life. And so that's why we want to encourage pastors, do it because we need to tell the state, we need to tell the state, you are in defiance of God's law and you must obey God's law. You are a servant. You are his deacon, out of Romans 13, to uphold what is good and punish what is evil. So we disciple the state by telling them you can't do this. We hope that the Lord will overturn this evil, unjust law. And we know that the word of God is powerful and it can change lives. And we hope for more of those stories this year. So this year and every year until we're all in prison (laughs) or the Lord turns over this law, we will stand and tell the state we have no king but Christ and you have no authority in the church. Mm. So well stated. And what a powerful story. And that's really what this is all about. Yes, we want to point out how evil this is so people wake up and understand that. But ultimately, it is. It's about people's souls of that young woman saved from going on that road that leads to destruction. So thank you for this initiative, Andrew, and for encouraging churches on this side of the border and around the world to do the same thing. We need to take a stand for truth. And we appreciate your doing that and the way you articulate it based right on Scripture uh, not based on personal opinions or vindictiveness, but for promoting and lifting up the truth of God's word and the gospel itself. So, Andrew, keep standing firm in him through the power of the Spirit. We thank you for coming on the Christian Realview today, and we wish nothing but God's best and grace to you and your family. Brother, thank you so much for having me on. And again, thank you for helping us to shine a light on what's going on in Canada and what we're doing and supporting as brothers and sisters in Christ the honor of our King and the proclamation of his good news. Again, Andrew DiBartolo with Liberty Coalition Canada with us today on The Christian Worldview. We'll pause briefly for some ministry announcements. Just a reminder, we are offering In His Image in conjunction with the program today. It's a 110-minute DVD documentary, two-DVD set, that deals with the issue of transgenderism. You can order it for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Just call one 646 2233 visit thechristianworldview.org, or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. David Wheaton here. For a limited time, we are offering My Boy Ben for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. The book is the true story of a yellow lab that I had back when I was competing on the professional tennis tour. It's about relationships with Ben, my parents, with the childhood friend I would eventually marry, but ultimately with God, who causes all things, even the hard things, to work together for good. 
You can order a signed and personalized copy for yourself or for your friend who enjoys a good story, loves dogs, sports, or the outdoors, and most of all, needs to hear about God's grace and the gospel. My Boy Ben is owned by The Christian Realview. It's 264 pages, hardcover, and retails for $24.95. To order, go to thechristianrealview.org or call one 646 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Here's a unique resource and product for you from The Christian Realview. We put the top 15 programs of 2022 on a great-looking bamboo USB flash drive adorned with the Christian Realview logo. Programs like, What is the Christian's Duty to God versus Government? 12 Mega Clues that Jesus' Return is Nearer Than Ever. How America's New Woke Religion is Not Good News. Transhumanism and the Quest to Be Like God. And What Really Happens When You're Born Again. Simply plug the flash drive into the USB port on your Windows or Mac device, and you will have the top programs at your fingertips. Plus, with the large 4GB capacity, you'll have plenty of extra space to load your own files. The flash drive is $25, and you can order by calling 1-888-646-2233, going to thechristianrealview.org, or writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for joining us today on The Christian Realview. I'm David Wheaton, the host. Just a reminder that today's program and past programs are archived at our website, thechristianrealview.org. Transcripts and short takes are also available. Our topic today is how Christians should respond to the depravity revolution. Andrew D. Bartolo, the Director of Operations for Liberty Coalition Canada and a teaching elder at Encounter Church in Kingston, Ontario, is our guest. Andrew, we've referenced this well-known passage in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. And it's interesting what leads into this passage on God, quote, giving over the unrighteous to their sin. That's a form of God's judgment. When God just removes his restraint and lets the flesh of the unrighteous, of the unregenerate, go where it wants to go. See, God is restraining the world through the Holy Spirit right now. The world would be far worse than it is if God completely pulled his restraint away. It would just devolve into complete and utter chaos and violence. There's this contrast here before this section in Romans 1 verse 18, starting in verse 16, actually, it says, For I, Paul writing, am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Yes, those who are homosexual and transgender, they are not beyond the power of God for salvation. Let's be clear about that. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Nothing to do with your ethnicity either. Verse 17, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So in those two verses, it talks about how we can be declared righteous by God. It's through faith, not by earning favor with God through our works. We could never do enough to earn favor and be perfect before God. We've already done sinful things, so we can't overcome that by doing good things. We must believe by faith. 
in what God has revealed to us about how we can be saved through his son, Jesus Christ. And then this section begins in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Here's a key phrase, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Remember that phrase, verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Verse 21, for even though they, this is the unrighteous, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. And then it goes to this downward cascading levels of sin from heterosexual immorality to homosexual immorality to complete depravity. And the chapter ends like this. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, eternal judgment, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. That is what is taking place in our society today. There is a suppressing the truth, God's truth, in unrighteousness. So you just constantly tell lies. You call what is sinful good. You jam society with this over and over and over again in every area to desensitize people to this and normalize it to them. And that is why you can go online and watch endless videos like this. Not allowing a child to use puberty blockers is simply just transphobic. It just is what it is. There's no real reason not to. Puberty blockers just allows a child to kind of freeze, allows their look to freeze, to stay in place. It gives them more time, essentially, to decide whether they want to go further with any medical transition. At any point while using puberty blockers, a child can stop and essentially just have the natural puberty that they would have but a few years later. We hear about puberty blockers and hormonal treatment like giving kids Lupron at young ages. So I went online to find out about what these things do to a child. This from World Magazine. Proponents of putting gender-confused children on puberty-blocking drugs have long said there's no harm in pressing pause on their physical development while they take time to consider their identity. Quote, is completely reversible, said Stephen Rosenthal, a pediatric endocrinologist at the University of California, San Francisco. It's the science. Here's the experts, right? You can take them off it, he says, and they resume puberty. But a long-term study by the United Kingdom's leading facility for treating gender dysphoric children found otherwise. Contrary to common beliefs about puberty-blocking drugs, the majority of children who take them do not resume puberty. The study also showed that children's bone density and normal growth flatlined with puberty blockers as compared to their peers, and participants reported no improvement in their psychological well-being. The findings support a growing body of evidence showing the harm and irreparable damage of experimental medical treatments for children with gender dysphoria. 
And then I went to the Mayo Clinic website to see what they say about it. And the most reputable clinic in the world, quote unquote, the science, they didn't have any problem with children taking puberty blockers. And they even got into the gender affirming, as they call it, genital surgical procedures. And you can look this up for yourself. I'm not going to read this on air. I'll just read the name of the procedure called penile inversion vaginoplasty. And that has to do with a man who wants to become a woman or a boy who wants to become a girl having surgery to totally invert their sexual organs. This is what Mayo Clinic is advocating as a suitable surgery for a man who wants to become a woman. But it's not just the medical, technical, scientific language that's used around this issue to make it seem very normal that someone wants to change their sex, which they actually cannot do. It's the complete vilification, the shaming of anyone who would dissent to this. I referenced that article last week that Andrew had sent to me about some people who had protested these drag queen shows going on in Canada. I'm just going to read you some phrases in the article about how they characterize those who would be against that. The protest, the article says, replete with homophobic conspiracy theories of child grooming and sexual abuse, neo-Nazis and white nationalists. Many of the protesters are part of the anti-vaccine and anti-mandate movements. And here's a quote. They have a righteous goal they think they are fighting for, and it makes them feel like they are on a noble quest, said Timothy Caulfield, a conspiracy theory researcher from the University of Alberta. Quote, this theme just metastasizes to fit the current conspiracy theory. You start embracing COVID conspiracy theories, and all of a sudden you're talking about protecting the children, Pizzagate, the QAnon theory, and the World Economic Forum, unquote. And then finally, it ends with, we need to basically lock these people up. We need a, quote, more proactive approach by the police. And that's how stating something in opposition to the homosexual transgender movement is considered violence worthy of being a crime. Listen to this soundbite about using someone's non-preferred pronouns. Violence isn't only physical in nature. Um, Emotional and psychological violence both exist. And when I have made it clear what my pronouns are and that I'm like a genderqueer trans person, and someone decides to ignore that and then deliberately will like misgender me, that is a form of violence because they are enacting a, a something that is hurtful toward me on purpose. And violence like that makes me feel unsafe because I don't know what else that person is necessarily capable of and what kind of harms. You can see where she's going calling someone by their actual true gender when they believe they're a different gender causes them harm and it's like violence and therefore you're a danger and you need to be locked up. If you've been paying attention and have seen how this depravity revolution is just taking over all the institutions of our society, you might be wondering, how did this catch on? How did people accept this so quickly? I heard a recent message by Pastor Alistair Begg, where he talks about the fact that once people reject God, they then conclude that they're not accountable to God, and therefore, the next step is, 
We just want to do what our flesh wants to do. These individuals live self-indulgent lives. They have a self-indulgent agenda, and they laugh at the very notion of the return of Jesus Christ. It becomes a figure of fun. Michael Green, in his commentary, says, For men who live in the world of the relative, the claim that the relative will be ended by the absolute is nothing short of ludicrous. And, of course, it is within the desire of men and women who are living godless lives, who have no interest in the Bible, who only use the name of Jesus as a curse word to deny any notion of him coming back again. If you're fooling around in your classroom, you want to know that the school teacher has left for the day. You don't want the the possibility of the school teacher returning. If the school teacher is about to return, then, of course, it makes a difference to the extent of your foolishness. And that is why men and women have a vested interest in denying the return of Jesus Christ. Because as long as he is not coming back, then there is no judgment to face. There is no report card to be filled out. There is no event that yet awaits us that will call us to account. So the self-indulgent life has a definite interest in convincing first themselves and then those who would listen to them that Jesus will not return. Alistair Begg is absolutely right. Now, he was speaking generally about those who reject God, but these two issues of homosexuality and transgenderism and the all-out push for them is just a prime example of suppressing God's truth in unrighteousness. The people pushing this depravity revolution, they don't fear God. They're children of their father, the devil. They hate God in his word. They don't have a biblical worldview about this, and they don't want one. They are not taking in anything that is shaping their mind to have a moral conviction against this. They're not reading the Bible. They're not hearing sermons on moral purity and God's design. They're only hearing the God-rejecting human reasoning of their own flesh and the world. And so it's actually quite predictable that this is taking place. But the advocates for this depravity revolution should know this. The present world as we know it, the heavens and the earth, are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. The Bible is absolutely clear concerning the issue of judgment. We didn't come at this with any sense of smugness. We don't come at this with smugness because we are all sinners deserving of God's judgment. And it's only by God's grace that any believer was able to see their sin in the egregiousness of their sin against God. And it's only because of God's grace that he opens our eyes to understand and believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the hope for those who are involved in homosexuality and transgenderism. No one is beyond salvation. Until that point that you ultimately reject God, no one is beyond salvation. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 has these lists of sins that includes fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, and so on. It goes on to verse 11, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. The first and most important step is coming to true saving faith, being born again, being regenerated, confess your sin, trust in the person and the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. When you do, God gives you his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And then that 
power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you and the word that you're taking in through reading or hearing it preached is the power to overcome the sinful temptations in your life. Use it the way Jesus did. It is written. Recognize the lies of temptation and replace them with the truth of the word of God. Guard your eyes and your mind and the Holy Spirit will give you the power to overcome the depravity that resides in all of us. Thank you for joining us today on The Christian Worldview. In just a moment, there will be all kinds of information on this nonprofit radio ministry. And just a reminder, you can order the resource we're featuring today, In His Image, which is a two-DVD set for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. It truthfully and compassionately deals with this issue of transgenderism. Just get in contact with us the usual ways, which will be given immediately following today's program. Let's be encouraged. We live in a depraved world, but Jesus Christ and his word are the same yesterday and today and forever. So until next time, think biblically, live accordingly, and stand firm. The mission of the Christian Worldview is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We hope today's broadcast encouraged you toward that end. To hear a replay of today's program, order a transcript, or find out what must I do to be saved, go to thechristianworldview.org or call toll-free 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a listener-supported nonprofit radio ministry furnished by the Overcomer Foundation. To make a donation, become a Christian Worldview partner, order resources, subscribe to our free newsletter, or contact us, visit thechristianworldview.org, call 1-888-646-2233, or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview.